Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. producing this thing we're all from the draft network and we are brought to you by bet online the number one spot for all your sports wagering information you can find everything over there nfl and college football but they also have major league baseball combat sports tennis golf esports vegas casino games live in-game betting you name it you can find it over there on bet online super easy to navigate website that you can check out on your desktop or your mobile device and of course we have a deal for you use our promo code believe 50 and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. It's been online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National Vodka Day, National Taco Day, and National Cinnamon Roll Day to you. couple good options. Run the first one by me again. Vodka. I know I said it weird. Okay. <laughs> Came out weird. Sorry. Vod- vodka. It's like, <laughs> Not sure like what happened was, there, man. was Russian or something. Vodka. Um, <laughs> hey, Chris, are you concerned about the Mets at all? Yeah, so we didn't address this on the show yesterday. <laughs> and I'm not, not feeling great. Okay. All those, all those happy days in May, though. They're gone. Nope. The happy days. Y'all! They do not exist anymore. Okay, I will not. Feel. I will not harass you anymore with the New York Mets. Um, but you don't have the to. Bit, because the, Braves, the, the, Braves, well, the Braves won the. They're going to win the division, so it's over. It right. Doesn't matter. You're right. But it's it's the payoff of the bit, and the whole bit goes back to overly excited about games in April and May because baseball's too long. Right. We should have stopped the count a long time ago in baseball, as, as far as the NLE standings go, and they didn't. And here we are. Um, happy. Yeah, I guess Happy Vodka Day. I guess. I mean, it's taco tacos the best thing there. Tacos yeah, on, a, on a Tuesday. I mean, yeah, like tacos on. the best thing on there. That is a sign. Taco right. Tuesday. That's what I'm saying that's the one. What, that's so what there. happens next year when it's not on Tuesday? Then we can't celebrate. Yeah, is it a moving happen. thing? Can it stay on the Tuesday of this week every year? Uh, let me see if I can learn a little bit more about this holiday. I will say this: I tried a vodka tonic for the first time in my life, and why I enjoyed you, that. Why do you say it like that? Like I just don't. What did I say? Like he, I, I just don't know what, like no, there's just like a weird. I don't know what it is. There's just a weird pronunciation that you have with it. Vodka, <laughs> like just, vodka. Like, vodka. I don't know what to say, man. It's too much vod. He goes yeah, vodka. Like, right. What do you say? Vodka. It's vodka. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he went the wrong way. He leaned further into the vod. Uh, I don't have vodka down here. I do Vod- have Captain Morgan, uh, Jacko Blast, little pumpkin thing. Uh, found it in my bar. It's been here for about three years. Uh, I'm going to check the, uh, the expiration date, but, uh, as long as I'm not too expired, then I'll probably have a little sip here on the show. Celebrate an alcohol day. <laughs> uh, it's, it's every October 4th. So, uh, this is a rare occurrence that it is on a Tuesday. So please celebrate accordingly. That's like once every seven years. 
Yeah, take advantage. Yeah. Get your tacos in. Uh, NFL right. Word Association, Scout Speak, Ray Garvin joining the program today. That's what you have here on a Tuesday. Can't wait. So, we start with NFL Word Association here. We have all the games to go through. And get the one word. And so, just so everybody knows, normally we do this on Monday. Well, we gave Joe an extra day with all the to games. Prep. God bless it. So, to prep. To so prep. So he could prep and he could come. Fi- so, I know everyone's like, oh, Word Association Monday. No, we gave Joe an extra day. And so, we're going to put it on Tuesdays now and see how he lives up to the, the task. So, he could just stew on everything for another 24 yeah. hours. Didn't do it. My preparation is is no different. Uh, we'll, we're going to see what happens as we go. This should go swimmingly then. Yeah, That's great. Can't wait. I tried to try to help us with some. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll start with the London game. The Vikings beat the Saints twenty eight to twenty five. Double doink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a rousing start. A rousing start. Uh, very very entertaining final five minutes of that game, though. I think it's a shame Will Lutz couldn't punch the 61-yarder through. I'm trying my best, Joe. I'm I'm expecting you're going to have something to add here when I'm done. <laughs> I mean, like, Joe, uh, it was Justin Jefferson's a day. monster, too. No, but hold on. It was the first game of the day. There were no other games on. I could understand if it was a game, and you said, hey, guys, listen, like, didn't get to watch a ton of this game. It was part of Red Zone. I flipped to it. Like, I could get that. This game was all by its lonesome. It was by itself. I know because I'm trying it. too hard. I'm trying too hard to like have something super amazing and profound to say where I just needed to say double doink or just said Justin Jefferson or right. just said Zadarius Smith. Or, you know what I mean? We're right. going to run a Phil Longo offense. Just go to the first read. If it's not there, go to the second read. Let's move on. Okay. All right. No, no pre-snap motion. <laughs> no pre-snap motion. We're not getting creative. We're not even gonna ch- it's the same formation every play, too. Right. Just I'm like Nathaniel Hackett out here, you know? I need a, need a coach in my ear tell me what to do. Who's got worse clock management, Nathaniel Hackett or Joe? We'll save that for another time. <laughs> the Falcons are helping me win a bet with Joseph J. Marino because they beat the Browns 23-20 to as they get their second win of the season. Forgettable. This was the game that happened that I forgot happened and had to be like reminded later on in the day that the Browns and Falcons played a football game and somebody won it. Uh, negligence is my word. Kyle Pitts, one catch. We're, we're doing it again. Wait, we're doing it again. It's not fantasy football. We're trying to football. Jared, I don't Kyle. care. I am physically incapable of caring less. It's bad process. And you will lose more games than you win if you allow this to continue to be dictated to you. Did you spend a top five overall pick on a decoy? Because if you did, shame on you. Shame on you. The Cowboys. And I hate I hate that they won because now it's reinforcing the behavior. That's right. We don't need don't need to get them involved because we keep winning football games. The the Cowboys beat the Commanders twenty five to ten. Can't beat Cooper Rush. Four and right? Very good, Joe. Here's what uh, I love. My... Here's what I love. We brought Joe to the sideline. We said, Joe, snap it together. You gotta play better. And Joe he did. Come out and he's played he did. better. That's, that's he's played better. Silent count. We're going yes. silent count. We're we're playing ball. Uh, I guess mine is hot seat. Hot seat. Quarterbacks on the hot seat. Head coach on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Washington is. I mean, they're they're more talented than this, right? Can how how many points did they the score in this game? They scored ten points in this game. Ten. Yes. Yeah. They they are they are a much more talented football team than what they are showcasing, and 
I don't know how much longer we can stem the tide. I know we don't need the bad PR of hiring right. a good or firing a good man in Ron Rivera in season, but at the same time, like, geez, Louise, guys, it's time to wake up. I worry that they have to take a big swing, though, like a big swing. Or what do you do? Do you go? Do you hire Leslie Frazier, or you know what I mean, like that type of hire? It's a fair point, Joe. It's a fair point. I talked about Let this me... on the, T- the TD and Daily podcast yesterday that the Cowboys, like the Philadelphia Eagles, should be the talk of the NFC because they're 4 0, and we'll get to them a little bit later. But this Dallas Cowboys team, to survive what they have had to deal with injury wise, offensive line, and then their quarterback to be 3 and 1, is setting up very nicely. Do you know who they play next week? If they beat the Rams this week, next week, Sunday night football, they play the Eagles. Like, you want to talk about a marquee matchup already in week five. Hmm. Uh, the other side of the for for the other side of the fence. Uh, here's the next block of games for for one in three Washington. Okay, uh, home against the Tennessee Titans at Chicago Bears. Okay, uh, Green Bay Packers at Indianapolis Colts. You'd probably like to get that one at home. Uh, the three and one Minnesota Vikings. At Philadelphia Eagles. How many wins we see on this? One and a half? Two. Yeah. yeah. Maybe two. So, I mean, that'll put you one, two, three, four, five. See. I mean, we, we could be looking at two and eight through the first ten. Change. Hot changes, seat. Changes are coming. Uh, in, in the Big 12 game of the week, the Seattle Seahawks beat the Detroit Lions 48 <laughs> to 45. Studs. It's a good, it's a studs. It's a good week to have Jamal Williams and uh, TJ Hawkinson fantasy stock. To me, this is just the defense, like the, the lions in this defense, man, you, you can't give up 48 to, to Gino and this Seahawks team. You can't do it. Well, to be fair, they, they, they gave up 41 and draft dudes alumni Tariq Woolen had a pick six to yeah, be fair. Damn right. He did. But like, they're not stopping anybody. They're not Seattle was nine to twelve on third down. Like D- Detroit, I like what you got going on offense, but my God, your defense is going to keep you from being a decent team. Hundred and hundred and forty-one points allowed. They are dead last in yards, dead last in points conceded thus far this season, while also being number one in yards and points scored offensively. It's bad. I told you. I told you. Big twelve game of the week. Uh, by the way, it's a great week to have swapped Kyle, made a trade in fantasy and traded Kyle Pitts for TJ Hawkinson. It's a great week to have to have done that. Chris, really there you go. I did it two weeks ago, and Hawkinson's been infinitely better in in the two games that I've had him since the entire time I've had Pitts. So you know, great times were had. Uh, the Titans. Can, quick timeout. Quick, quick, quick timeout. I'm sorry. Sure, have, I just saw this statistic. You, you, you have three of them, so you used one. I have two of them now because I just used one. Detroit also – Dead last in third down percentage defensively, 53% conversion rate. And uh, 13 of 15 opposing trips into the red zone have resulted in touchdowns. That is an 87% touchdown conversion rate against the Lions defense that is also dead last. Titans beat the Colts 24 to 17. They tried to give this one away. Chigo. Chigo got a tutty. Got a tutty. And maybe Derrick Henry is not dead, right? Like, Couple good games here uh, coming after week two. Where would you believe Derrick Henry still rushed for lower rushing yards than expected, based on oh, no. expected yards per me? rush? No, 
Yeah, I did believe he rushed for like 199 yards or something. It was like seven yards under expected yards on his carries, according to next gen stats. 22 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown for Derrick Henry on the ground. 114. Yesterday. I was off by a schmidge. Yeah, just a just a quick mark. Yeah, just, just a yeah, about an extra 80 yards. Um, sadness. AFC South sadness is is currently in full <laughs> full swing with two two and two teams, the Texans and the Colts at one two and one. <laughs> the AFC South is somehow better and worse than we thought it was going to be. Right. <laughs> Which is an impressive feat. <laughs> the New York Jets beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24 to 20. Zach's back. Kenny picked it. Oh, see, see this? That was the best one we've had so far, gentlemen. Everybody. Kenny picked well, it. Did, did you know that Pro Football Focus did not credit Kenny Pickett in his three interceptions with one turnover worthy play? They said, you know what? Not a- he threw three interceptions. The first one. <laughs> Was probably a turnover worthy play. The other it was two, a bad I, decision. It was not a bad throw. Chase Claypool uh, it, hung him out to dry. Oh, you got to a little bit more because he's got. I understand he throws that. The ball to the no, he doesn't. Body. There's a safety out there. There's a safety and a defender in, that's trailing the play. You threw it's it to two decision. defenders deep in coverage. I don't it's think a it's bad, a good decision. It's a bad throw because he underthrows it. I, it turnover worthy play. That one's turnover worthy. The other two. One gets tipped. The other one's at the end of the game. Like who gives? Yeah, I don't blame for the hail mary. I don't blame for the hail mary. Um, in the um, in the uh, in the sequel to the 49ers Broncos Sunday Night Extravaganza, the Giants and Bears they performed their version of setting football back 20 years in terms of offensive game. Uh, the Giants beat the Bears 20 to 12. Who gives a shit? Wow, guy. How's that for word association? (laughs) I mean. Neither is team. Neither of these teams have losing records through four weeks. And Joe, what do you think that what do you, what do you think the combined win total is of the, for these two teams at the end of the year? Yeah, they have five. So they have five wins right now. What's their combined win total at the end of the year? Because again, this was a, this was the topic of the TD and Daily podcast yesterday. Of the three NFC East teams that are above five hundred, this is the phoniest of the bunch because of how they're winning games, because of the schedule at the beginning of the year, and what's coming. Yeah, you're Packers, not getting you're not Ravens, getting flowers the for the Titans imploding on themselves and blowing a three score lead and beating the Panthers and the Bears at and home. Their one lo- and their Sorry, one loss is to the good team in the Cowboys. So it's like with their backup quarterback, good with their with their backup quarterback. Like good for building a culture, but like I don't think this is sustainable. Hey, next 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 four games for the Giants. At Green Bay Packers, Baltimore Ravens, at Jacksonville Jaguars, at Seattle Seahawks, cross country trip. Yeah, dubs are coming. What are uh, dubs are not coming? Um, <laughs> how often do you think we're going to see NFL football games where the winning team has nine completed forward passes? How, I mean, how often? That's got to be like something that's not really part of the deal round of applause for justin fields for having the most completions out of quarterbacks in a game it's true yeah it it is true this again they ran the ball 31 times with saquon basically out of necessity but do do do, you know what do a little thought exercise for for everybody why don't you go look at the receivers that caught passes from daniel jones and tyrod taylor for the new york giants it's just what they are doing is unsustainable it's just not they cannot do this stacking dubs baby go dable go shane not well, so now much John they, and, and don't get me wrong, like I'm happy for Giants fans and like Chicago, like 
it's it's a rebuilding year anyway, but it's just if you look at the the spectrum of NFL games that are played and like the stakes that are going to be there at the end of the year, that is why my words association was what it was. But Kyle, you're not you're you're not getting any of the answers you need to get. Right, you're winning games, but you're not answering any questions. Maybe other than Saquon, you're going to win too many games to make a justification on Daniel Jones. Leading receiver Daniel Daniel Bellinger with three for twenty three. Right, like two rookie you, tight ends this week. Tanner Hudson one receiver. for eighteen. What do you have in Kadarius Tony? What do you have in Wondell Robinson? Like the young, they got to play first. Receiver. They got to play first. You're you're making the point for me. You're winning games right now, and you're not answering any of the questions that you need to answer. So they're they're kind of empty wins because I don't think this is the they're not running this team back next year, or reinforcements are coming and more dubs are coming for the Giants. Look at Joe trying to KT nice. hits the stride. You got a receivers coming back. More speaking comfort. Their, speaking hey, I, I, I have a question before we move on. I have a question before we move on. That's your second. That's your second time out. I know second time out. I apologize. Well, um, of the show. What is Chicago Bears? What do you do with David Montgomery at the end of the year with Khalil Herbert rushing the way that he is? Yeah. Well, they're in that good spot of not paying a quarterback, right? So you can justify paying a running back, but I wouldn't commit something long-term, tie up my cap. Wait a minute. I don't, you don't pay running backs ever anyways. You don't do it. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Got, had okay. a Got there. it. Don't Got pay him ever. <clears throat> Speaking of hitting their stride, the Philadelphia Eagles seem to be hitting their stride. 29-21 to 21 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are the last unbeaten team in the NFL, the top team in the NFC. Wet. This game was wet. It was, which was weird because I watched the Jets-Pittsburgh game, and it was, it was not raining there. It, it rained at my house all day yesterday, and Philly's about 45 minutes north of me up 95. So it can, can confirm very wet in the mid-Atlantic, even though it didn't necessarily show that at MetLife Stadium. My, my prevailing thought from this game was just how quickly it turned around. I mean, Jacksonville was up 14 to nothing, and you know I'm watching this game or keeping up with this game while I'm watching the Bills, and I'm like, oh, my God, like Jacksonville's up 14 nothing. Well, they did get a, they got a pick six well, as part of the would, process. We, but we talked about this, the three of us did. And I don't remember if it was on a show or off air, but we had this conversation of if the Jags go in there and beat them and they're three and one, does it make us reshift how we thought about the Philadelphia Eagles? And so I had that thought in the front of my mind when the game was on. And then the Jags go in there with Doug Peterson and they go up 14 nothing in a hurry. And it's like, uh-oh. Maybe everything we we thought about was true, and maybe this is not like the Eagles' really soft schedule to start the year. They started three and zero. Maybe they're and then it was like, nope, we're good. We can run the ball. Good luck guarding all the players that we have in our receiving core and Jalen Hurts and the running game. Good luck. Have fun. We beat you. You, you if you're Jacksonville though, you you have to feel pretty good that your quarterback turned it over five times. Yes, four lost fumbles. Yeah, you lost by eight on the road to one of the best three teams in the league. Well, I don't think you'd like, like that the fact helps that your me... quarterback turned the ball over five times. I think you'd like him to not do that. But Sure, but that's the league. It's going to happen, and it's a wet day, and he fumbled four times. Uh, it... Yes, and, and, and I think there's, there's going to have to be some improvement for the sense of you, know, you had 219 yards of offense. Uh, you got out-possessed by 20 minutes, and Philly was only 4 or 15 on third down. Like you had, you held Philly to less than thirty-three percent on third downs, and you still only managed to possess the ball for twenty minutes. 
So every, every time I looked up after the pick six, it was Philly had the ball. And then they rushed the ball 50 times for 210 yards and four rushing touchdowns. So, All right, we got to run the four-minute offense here and get through the rest of these games. The Bills beat the Ravens 23-20. to Come back. Uh, yeah, Bills 0 in their last seven uh, one-score games dating back to the beginning of, of last year. Uh, so for, for them to come back, it was Josh Allen's first game-winning drive since week eight of 2020. For them to get a close win, all of that was meaningful for this Bills team to kind of change some of those narratives that were formed. Chargers beat the Texans 34 to 24 near disaster averted crisis averted because Texans yeah. Texans made this thing really interesting at the end. They did. Yeah, they did. Uh, Herbert's a dude though, man. Like he ain't right. Still out there, still going out there 340 yards, two touchdowns, not much of a run game. I, I just have so much respect for him. Shout Chargers uh, alum, Pierce, third to last points allowed defensively this season they're 30th in the league in scoring defense a lot conceding 27 points per game so they get they got to get that thing figured out again damian pierce drafted alum great game 14 correct carries, 131 yards and a touchdown uh the cardinals panthers 26 to 16 the cardinals two and two who the gives cardinals a first. shit no, that's the, second. the cardinals <laughs> first lead of the year right <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the in the at the midway point of the third quarter, the Cardinals took their first lead in a regular season in the regular season this entire year because the only lead they had before that was the overtime when they took the lead mm-hmm. for the, the end of the game. So, so in regulation, this was their first lead in regulation all year. Correct. Yep. Have mercy. And it wasn't pretty. They won the game by ten. It was not pretty. Their, their offense don't have a Panthers don't have a prayer on offense. Well, you know. Yeah, I think we're one and twenty six now, and conceding seventeen yeah. points. If you're the Bro, Panthers, and you're like oh for your last twenty five, can't do it, man. Packers beat the Patriots twenty seven to twenty four in overtime. Crisis averted again. <laughs> <laughs> Who? This is my prevailing thought. Collect your prize if you had Bailey Zappi as the rookie quarterback that throws the first touchdown pass this year. Not me. <laughs> Is your prize his baseball cap? I didn't have the bet, but I do have his baseball cap. There you go. Story for another day. The Raiders beat the Broncos 32-23. to <laughs> Call Cri- it. Crisis averted. The Raiders did not start 0-4. Crisis averted. <laughs> I got that one right. I said one of these winless teams was going to win. And uh, somehow, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I figured they were going to win this game. But sloppy football for both teams in that one. The uh the the Broncos haven't beat the Raiders in like seven tries or something like that. Is that correct? I, th- that sounds potentially accurate. I watched I know, a good I, portion of this game, dude. The Broncos, it's just moving the ball is so difficult. It, it's just it's and then, then they don't. Javante Williams is hurt. It's just not great. It's just not the great. the Raiders have won seven of the last eight matchups against the Broncos. Mm. Josh Jacobs in this game, big. 28 carries, 144 yards, and two touchdowns. Thank God Jamie Eisner told me to play uh, Khalil Herbert over Josh Jacobs. Appreciate that. Mm. Wow. Uh, Jamie, Jamie's in the TDM Premium Discord dunking on all of his layup wins like Tom Brady scoring 25 points in, in fantasy or something like that. Speaking of Tom Brady, he played on Sunday night. Didn't go very well for him. The Chiefs beat the Bucks 41-31. to I'm, I'm just happy for the Bucks. They entered this game with three offensive touchdowns scored and – you know they found a way to 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 put a to double their touchdown output of the entire season in one game. Um, very surprising 
and not necessarily the outcome, but the fact that the Chiefs were able to run the ball in the manner in which they were against the Tampa Bay defense was very, 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 very surprising. Shout out rookie Isaiah Pacheco for uh, some very strong contributions and running hard. Uh, I think that that was uh, a layer to this game I did not foresee. How about the the Bucks rushing offense? Really solid six carries for three yards. Was yeah, but it was it was a bad uh, bad week to it's start fine. Lombardi Lenny, but Lenny got in the it's end fine. zone passing game. So it's yeah, nothing to worry, nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah fine. they're they're fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, scout speak, gentlemen. Is it time? It's time. Talk about the bubble. It's tough. You go into you go into this <laughs> segment with one timeout left for the remainder of the show, and you've used two explicits. So I, you know, who knows? What I just figured happen. once I used one, I might as well. Just get your money's worth. Right. Especially since it was the same lingo. Um, so we're talking about running the bubble. Chris, would you like to set the table? Because this is one that, that you kind of flagged when we were doing our film study last week and something to talk about. Yeah. So listen, I think everybody understands the role that I play on this show is I ask the dumb questions for, for, for people. And we were doing a film study of the Bengals offense. It was some advanced scouting for the Jets and for the Dolphins. And we were watching their game against the Dallas Cowboys. And and Kyle, I love him to death. He throws around lingo with the expectation that I have any idea what he's talking about sometimes. And he kept just circling areas. Of the, no, I'm sorry. Take it back. He was not circling areas of the field. He was like, yeah, I should attack the bubble here. And then he would just like speed through the play. And then after like the third time he said it, I'm like, all right, time out. I'll use one of mine here. Can you explain what this concept is to me? And we broke down a couple of plays and we circled some areas of the field and we got through the attack the bubble mindset when it comes to running the football. I, I hand the floor back to you guys. Joe, would you like to, cause you were not a part of that conversation. Would you like to, to start with what you think of when, the, when that phrase is being invoked in the running game offensively? Yeah, it's, it's when you run the football, you want to attack bubbles um, and bubbles are, the gaps where there is nobody aligned in there, right? So you have natural angles that you could take on the line of scrimmage on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You have natural favorable angles for your offensive linemen to take advantage of because they're leveraged, right? They've already leveraged that gap. And so when you run the ball and it's particularly zone runs, these are going to be the most advantageous players uh, places to attack a defense when you want to run the football. And then, I mean, you can get into so many, that's probably a good place for me to stop. Sure. No, I think that <laughs> that is at its crux. We're sitting here watching yeah. uh, Jets Bengals. And I'm sitting here asking, you know, why, why are they not running at the bubble? And, and instead you are counting on double teams up front to manufacture movement as compared to the organic space that exists if you are going to have a player who is playing on the second level of your defense be responsible for that gap it's just common sense right you have more leverage in that position because you have somebody on the line of scrimmage and they don't so if it's the run it, joe i like that you acknowledge zone if it's zone absolutely even if that means you're you're going to run away from the strength you know if you if you have the tight end on the line of scrimmage to the right but the backside of the formation has uh, somebody who's a, a one tech on the center, and then you've got a defensive end who's outside shoulder of the def of your left tackle, and then that stack linebacker is that B gap defender to the backside. Run that way, right, and, and give yourself a chance to 
You're going to have a, a hard ask for your center to work across the face of a one tech. But as long as he hits that, you naturally have much more uh, of a crease to get downhill between the tackles and run the football. Now, if you're going to run gap and, and with the prevalence that we see of two high safeties right now, uh, if you're getting lighter boxes, you know, if you're going to run 11 personnel and team's going to be a nickel and they've got two backers in the box and your, your four down linemen hypothetically, and then kind of your apex defenders, the nickel corner who's out there, he, he can kind of get dug out by a wide receiver. If you have bubbles there, now you might be more, more inclined to run power. And, you know, anytime that you're, you're counting hat counts on other side of the center, you divide the, the, uh, the line of scrimmage right down the middle. And you count how many hats do we have defensively and hats? I mean, players on the left side versus blockers and the right side versus blockers. And if you can pull a guard and run power and pull the guard that's on the bubble and not run the risk of a defensive lineman who is on the line of scrimmage immediately falling into your pulling guards back pocket and chase that play down from the backside, you can get plus one to the half of the formation by pulling around and then try to gain the advantage in the box that way. So there's a couple different ways that you can identify uh, the bubble and use it to your advantage. If you're going to run zone, specifically inside zone, run at the bubble. If you're going to run power, don't take advantage of not having a defender capping that into your offensive lineman and have them pull around. Yeah, I mean – that that at its core is is that and what's fun is how what you can do defensively right because you understand right that you're giving them bubbles but whether you want to run some bare fronts and and really kind of muddy up the middle and and invite runs to certain places like you'll see alignments defensively that are like go ahead this is where we want you to run the football right so there's a there's a, a chess game that exists with that because it's not as simple as well this is the bubble we have advantageous angles we should be able to create some movement here to create a, a positive run but there's gap exchanges there's alignments mm -hmm. and there are a lot of things defensively that could be countered to kind of dictate and, and mess that up i'm glad you mentioned gap exchanges i remember watching zach bond at the combine a few years ago and watching them kind of play games up front and not necessarily run blitzes but those designed the defensive end crashes down and the linebacker automatically surfs out. And it's, it's that design where just like you talk about changing the picture for a quarterback in the secondary with your coverage shell and rotation at the snap defenses in the front can do that too. Whether that is crashing the defensive end down across the left tackle or the, the tackles face down into the B gap. And now all of a sudden your bubble is off tackle, but the line is blocking as though the bubble is in the B gap and, and stuff like that. that. That was just watching Wisconsin. And of course, Jim Leonard, uh, now the interim head coach Bro. of the Wisconsin Badgers. If we want to get some, some topical news in here for things that happened over the weekend, uh, not sure that was on my bingo card that, uh, Wisconsin would be making a head coaching change, but, uh, Wisconsin and also Colorado, Carl Doral, uh, relieved of his duties as well. 24 rushes for two yards against Illinois. That's going to get you fired at Wisconsin. That's right? not to be all about. great. Um, man, my favorite, I played high school football, right? But 
my favorite plays were, were gap exchanges where I got to crash inside. You know what that meant I wasn't responsible for? Outside contain. Mm. And, and just brother, go get it and kill. Shed, anytime <laughs> I got to shed that responsibility, I was quite happy. Quite happy about that. You play a little faster when it's get to the mesh point, right? <laughs> yeah. Instead of yeah. make sure you keep your outside arm free. Yeah, don't right. crash down inside. Don't jump down in there. Stay patient. Funnel Shut it back up. to your teammates in pursuit. All that jet. Right. Nah. Nah. Wow. Yeah, I like 44 it. crash is what we called it. Yeah. Big yep. fan. Big yep. fan. You were, you played some stack, back. you played like hybrid kind of stack mm-hmm. backer yep. edge. So you, you lived in that world. Before. Yeah. We, we, we toggled between odd front and four, four. So well, if we ran four, four, I was effectively the, the down lineman. And if we, we ran the bear front, then I was the stand up outside guy, but that kind of depended on if we were going runner or pass heavy. Uh, for who we were playing on any given week, but nobody, no, just like your your fantasy team, nobody cares about that, right? They care oh. about not your fantasy team, the the segment. Nobody cares about your fantasy team, which we will be back doing again this week, uh, talking about another couple of players, and then of course, everybody cares about what's next here on the show. We have our honorary dude back. Ray Garvin. So, Joe, why don't you go ahead and do the honors? Well, folks, we are joined once again by Ray Garvin of the Draft Network. We had such a fun conversation last week. We figured we'd do it again this week. There are some people out there that are saying it was one of the all-time great conversations we've had in the history of Draft Dudes. So, Ray, welcome back, my guy, my dude. Looking forward to this. Appreciate it, Joe. Thank you for having me back on, man. Really enjoyed myself last time and can't wait to chop it up with you both today. Yeah, so sources uh, indicating that I am one of those people calling last <laughs> week's conversation one of the best that we've ever had. And um, I am going to I'm going to steal the the first conversation point here. And, you know, Ray, I'm sure you've noticed we didn't give you an inkling again on what we were talking about. But the organic nature of these conversations is what I think has the potential to be really special with them. So uh, we've all kind of gone through our own player evaluation and learning the game and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to bring up the word potential to you. And I know you and your process in evaluating, especially, you know, through some of the Michael Pittman juniors of the world. I keep going back to that video as a really great showcase of like historical data but also being able to marry and watch the tape to that. Where does potential fall into this process to you? Because it is such an ambiguous thing to try to quantify for any given player, both at the pro level and projecting college players to the pros. Man, you guys, uh, no wonder you didn't give me a heads up because I think (laughs) even with ample time, this is a hard, this is a hard question to answer for me. Um, I think potential definitely plays a part in the evaluation process, right? You have to you have to look at where not only where a player's at, which historical data and current data lets you know where this player is currently um, with their production, but you have to look ahead a year, two years, five years down the line, um, and that's that's with anything, right? There's no perfect process that can 100% predict this is who this player is going to become five years from now, six years from now. Hell, six months from now. So I think potential definitely has to play a factor into the evaluation process. My question, and I throw it back to you, is when does it play a factor, right? Am I looking at potential from 
a, a, a true freshman, right? Their first game, they go out there and have a good game. And we saw ourselves do this with DJU to a certain extent when he took over for Trevor Lawrence versus Notre Dame a couple of years ago. And the potential, a lot of people, and I'm not speaking for you or Joe, were just like, oh my gosh, this is QB1 in 2023. And then, you know, of course, last season plays out. And then this season, I, I, I guess the question is, when does it play out? I, I want to see some level of production, something marred and combined with that potential, like a gumbo. It's, it's, if you've ever had gumbo, it's a, it's a slow process, right? You add a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you let it simmer. And then when it's done hours later, it's, it's fantastic, but um, doesn't taste good right away, but you know, it's coming. There's that potential there later on. So I, I guess what's difficult for me is at what point do I say, okay, I've seen enough and even though this isn't a complete, this is not a complete and total picture of where this player, I believe this player may be. I've seen enough. There's enough data, and I see the potential in a big name for that. You know, this year is you know Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. But when when do you place the premium on potential? I think that's that's the better question. To which I don't really have an answer for that one, Kyle. And Joe, I want to let you jump in here, but I wanted to give the the context of why I wanted to ask this question, right? Because we have another TDM 100 update coming up in a couple of weeks. And I'm doing something different with my ballot this time where I'm taking all the players that have made the first and second round of votes for me as far as prospects who I think are top 100. And I'm putting them in buckets, right? And I'm putting, I'm separating the guys that made the ballot in the summertime based off of their potential. And now I have to look at the sample size. We're a third of the way through the college football season. Mm-hmm. And I got to ask myself some hard questions on some of these guys as far as are they living up to that potential? Are they showing next stages of that potential? And for some of those guys, the answer is no. And it's guys that had like second, third, lean three grades in the summertime that aren't going to be on the ballot at all the next time we do the update. So, Joe, uh, I know you you have plenty of insight on this as well, but I wanted to give that insight as, as Ray has kind of steered this conversation in a new direction. Well, it's it's always something that is a challenging layer to the conversation, and I, I like that Ray kind of brought it to a timing point where it's like, all right, well, at what point do we need to see something tangible here? And it's interesting because you brought up Richardson and you brought up Will Levis. And, you know, we look back at some of the raw quarterbacks that are making it and and you go to Justin Herbert, you go to to Josh Allen. And I would say for Josh, I'm not sure we ever saw it, right? Like he somehow he just got better when he played against NFL players, right? Like that helped him, obviously, with his own work that he put into it. With Justin Herbert, it was just a new exposure to new concepts allowed him to kind of unlock all of that potential as opposed to it kind of being harbored at Oregon. And so... I feel like with with Richardson and Levis, they're really at different points of the conversation because Richardson, I think it's easy to say, well, he's got a lot more of he's got a lot more time that he can stay in college where with Levis, you want to see it manifest more right now. And I think it has at times, but also there's still those moments from Will that leaves you kind of scratching your head. So I don't know, like Ray, as you kind of process all of that and apply it to quarterbacks in particular, how comfortable do you get with 
both ends of the spectrum where you know that the potential is there, but it hasn't shown itself in college or you feel like the potential is there, but for some reason it wasn't able to be unlocked at the college level. Yeah. You, Joe, you, you touched on something that I think is very important when we're talking about the distinction between potential with collegiate prospects and potential with NFL young rookies or or, or early players, right? The collegiate potential profile for Josh Allen went out the window for me once the Buffalo Bills selected him in the first round. Like at that point, they said we're comfortable enough with whatever they saw internally to make him a high, uh, a high draft pick in the NFL draft. So at that point, I, I think the potential conversation changes to, okay, we know he's got the draft capital. I know that worst case scenario, we go back to that draft class, we knew worst case Josh Allen had three years to figure it out for Buffalo to put pieces around him. And you could see that maturation take place with through his work ethic, through bringing in um, from Stefan Diggs and equipping him with, with weapons. I think it's a bit different. Once the NFL has, has told me, like, we're okay and we're comfortable with making him a top 32 pick, I think the conversation shifts a little bit. When you're looking at it from a collegiate standpoint, what we're trying to do is we're trying to essentially project draft capital. I want to be able, we want to be able to, as a company, identify good players that are going to improve teams regardless of what the position is. So uh, I, I think this is such a complex conversation with so many different layers inside of it. But, you know, th- there is a difference between the potential of Anthony Richardson, because right now, Joe, I I, I don't know where he gets drafted, right? Like mm-hmm. I can say the tools and the traits, he's going to be a top 10, top 15 pick. But if he doesn't start to put string together more consistent performances, I think that will impact his draft capital. And if he comes back, I think it's just a different conversation. And um, you definitely have to factor it in. You have to think long term. But I think when you're when you're looking at the collegiate players versus an NFL talent, I think the potential there, there's there's a there's a timeline on it for the guys in, in the NFL, for Jalen Hurts, for Josh Allen. We know that if they don't get it done by Year three of their rookie contract, chances are they're going to go in a different direction. Whereas in college, I, like you said, we never saw it from Allen. But once he got drafted, it really didn't matter from that angle because he was going to be afforded time and opportunity to figure it out. Ray, let me let me flip this to, through a different lens of NFL players, right? Because I see you're you're rocking the star here on Victory Monday as we're recording this, right? I want to ask you about Tony Pollard. You know, because you're you're talking about rookie contracts, what players are capable of. And Tony Pollard has obviously shown a lot of productivity with the touches that he has. But Dallas, from a team building perspective, is now at a very interesting juncture where at the end of this year, they're going to have to make a decision on Tony Pollard's contract in spite of continuing to have Ezekiel Elliott technically under contract, though they can move on from that. But then also the optics of, do we want to commit ourselves to another potential big money running back contract? So looking at potential through the lens of a player who has shown that he probably can be a lot more than what he has been, specifically Tony Pollard, like you as somebody who follows the Cowboys, where are you on Pollard, a new investment in Tony Pollard for the Cowboys and what he's shown versus what you think he could be if he was undeterred by having Ezekiel Elliott in front of him? You know, this is um, watching that situation play out. I think Tony Pollard is a lot better 
than a lot of people give him credit for. I know we know he's explosive, but I think had he truly had an opportunity to be a lead guy, which that's a whole nother conversation with today's NFL. What is that? What constitutes a lead running back, right? Because it's not the 25 plus carry a game guy that we saw 10 years ago. It's, it's much different, but there's a reason why Dallas has not used Tony Pollard exclusively. And unfortunately for him going into next season, he's going to be 26 years old, 26 year old running back who has never throughout his career been utilized as a primary ball carrier, even going back to Memphis very talented runner, but he was also he was always second fiddle to somebody, whether that was Daryl Henderson, Ezekiel Elliott. As good as he is, there's a reason why Dallas has said we cannot turn around and give this guy the ball 20, 25 times a game. Now, we can debate, are they utilizing him the correct way, given the amount of touches and opportunities that he has? And I say no, involve him more in the passing game. But do I see Dallas investing big money in Tony Pollard moving forward? I don't. I, I don't see that happening. I think if it's a team-friendly deal, if I'm Tony Pollard, I want to go get paid. I want to go at least have an opportunity to be the guy somewhere. Uh, it's it's just one of those situations where, I mean, it's the most replaceable position in football, Kyle. We're seeing them literally find guys off the couch, come in and run the ball. Kenyon Drake, uh, you know, the Craig Reynolds of the world. And that's not to bash or disrespect those guys and their talent as football players, but Teams can go find running backs. I just I don't envision a world in which Dallas spends big money on Tony Pollard. And I do think probably his last opportunity to really change his financial outcome for his family, he's going to want to get paid whatever he can. And I don't blame him, but I, I don't see Dallas investing a ton in Tony Pollard moving forward. Ray, let me invoke three names, and I hope that these all stick for you. Alvin Harper, Peerless Price, and Dion Branch. These are all receivers that were traded for, I think, all of them first-round picks because they were a really good number two receiver on a good offense. But when given the opportunity to be a number one, we learned that they're number twos, right? And, and I think it's hard sometimes for us to understand that with more opportunity it's not just the production follows right like it's oh you just give more chances and so the same production that they had across 70 targets would be the same across 120 it doesn't it doesn't work like that right because of those ancillary factors and I I think about Tony Pollard I think about Alexander Madison right another player that continues to flash whenever he has opportunities Behind Dalvin Cook, what's he going to be like this free agency period? What type of opportunity is going to be there? But we we have to be mindful of that, right? Where that it's it's not just a copy paste that what somebody did in a supporting role will be what they will be in a lead role because the way teams game plan, the, the amount of tape that's out there on you, the the not benefiting, the not benefiting, the not benefiting, yes, to to, to being that complimentary piece. Like there's something to this. A hundred percent. Uh-huh. We just think that we could you, you you take one player out of a situation and you make them the focal point or uh, they they assume this this role of the one and a lot a lot of times and I and I'm pretty sure without having the information in front of us if if we looked at those situations Joe from from all across the NFL it probably plays out in the negative than it does as as a yeah. as that player truly assuming 
that number one alpha wide receiver role or that top RB spot. Very rarely have I seen that happen. Just crazy, just off the top of my head in one situation that I know it worked out in, in, in the affirmative and in, in the positive direction is when Michael Turner, remember Michael Turner yeah, backing up yeah. LaDainian Tomlinson mm-hmm, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then he finally got his opportunity to be the guy in Atlanta. And it actually, he was the guy, he was yeah. pretty good in Atlanta for at least a season or two. I know that worked out for him, but across the board, it is not as simple as just Zeke gone, Tony Pollard there, Tony Pollard to the moon. Um, right. Again, there's a reason why yeah. Dallas has not, has used him like that. And we can go across the board throughout the entire NFL and, and sort of say the same things. Ray, the last question that I would have for you, and I have one in the chamber if you need a little time to think about this, but I wanted to ask you kind of going back to the, the inspiration to, to ask this question and have this conversation with you. Are there any players off the top of your head that you were optimistic for either at the college level or the pro level from a potential standpoint that that you were maybe ready to stick your flag in the ground for and have not yet to this point as we flip the counter to October seen that manifest itself and, and is forcing you to reevaluate what your opinion is of that player? Man, um, you know, easy, low-hanging fruit, and I'll be really quick on this. Isaiah Spiller is one that I thought – his game would translate a little better to the pro game, right? We knew he lacked lacked a lot of athleticism, um, but you watch the tape and you cannot tell me that he wasn't a good player at Texas A&M. I thought, I thought there were some things that he did well on the field, albeit a lack of athleticism, especially when you're standing next to Devon A-Chain, literally the probably the most explosive player in college football. Isaiah Spiller, low-hanging fruit, a big one that just circles back to the original question about potential. And I don't want to rag on him too hard because he did suffer an injury, but uh, Traylon Burks, and we kind of talked about him the last time I was on. It's like, man, you know, him, LaVisca Chenault, Kadarius Tony. like I'm, I'm trying to, we're trying to learn here and how to improve our process. And What's the takeaway and learning lesson from a Traylon Burks outside of the fact that I don't think Mike Vrabel wanted him in the first place, and I'd be pretty pissed if uh, my team traded uh, A.J. Brown away as well. But it's that's where I think I've been burned the most, you guys, on those potentials, right? On the Burkses, and I don't want to say I'm burned yet on Burks. It's it's still early, but Rager, LaVisca Chenault, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore, he comes back, and what does Cliff Kingsbury do? The same stuff that he did before. Throw it to him behind the line of scrimmage and ask Rondell Moore to out-athlete NFL defenders. It does not work that way. Uh, it hasn't been a good start for those offensive skill position players uh, for for me. And just, again, trying to learn how much, how much do we factor in, man, what this player could be in the future compared to this is what's the issue with Traylon Burks. And, Joe, maybe you said it. He's not, he's not a technical receiver. Uh, he, he, there are a lot of things that he needs to learn at the wide receiver position to be effective. And I don't care about the potential. I'm telling you what we're dealing with right now. He's not ready yet. And maybe that is the case. And maybe moving forward, we should take some of that into consideration a little bit more. Ray, what you just described is why I'm bad at fantasy football. Like, I'm just not good at it. It's not, and, and, and people expect me to be good at it. the floor with Joe this week. <laughs> I don't, don't even know what happened there, but 
<clears throat> people expect me to be good at fantasy football, and I'm I'm sure Kyle lives in this world too, right? Where like, oh, you're a football guy, you work in football, you should know everything. The reason I'm bad at fantasy football is because I fall in love with the potential and I fall in love with skill sets. And when I evaluate all the players that you just went through, I romanticize when watching their college tape about what they can be in the NFL in the right situation. And that gets me in trouble because you know what, you know what that doesn't equate to uh, yards and touchdowns and catches, right? Like that's, and that's where I get in trouble to kind of bring this conversation full circle in a way when we started with potential, I fall in love with potential with players and I'm not, mindful enough of reality and how they're going to be used and what their pecking order is for that team. And I want to sit a lot more with the way I think it should be when there's a reality component that I often miss. Well, Joe, and to tie that together with what Ray said about Isaiah Spiller, very scary when the Chargers tell you what they think of Isaiah Spiller when they go out and bring in Sony Michelle. Yeah. Right. So, and the name that I had on my back pocket for, for a TDM 100 and a college prospect dynamic is, uh, Tyler Van Dyke from the University of Maryland, mm. who uh, was benched against Middle Tennessee State at one point. He's averaging just over 200 passing yards per game, uh, really struggling. And I understand they, 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 he lost his top wide receiver there after a couple of games. But uh, Van Dyke was a guy who came in, and some people were putting him in the top 15 in mock drafts. And that was based off a 10-game sample size. And this was his first year as the incumbent starter coming in. And, and you know, the, the first month of the season has gotten pretty ugly for him. And, and he's a player who I, I I can't justify having a top 100 vote on. Hey, Kyle, can I say too, from the collegiate side, 100% for me, it's I'm just going to say these three names. Kayshawn Boutte, Quentin Johnston, Jermaine Burton. All mm. three of those guys. I, I Again, tethered to Bryce Young, come on, Burton, be the guy. I, I, yeah, I haven't even heard his name called. Quentin Johnston, Max Duggan. Talk all the trash you want about Max Duggan and TCU. He's throwing for 350 yards a game. Quentin Johnson's got nine receptions on the season. Yeah, I, me. I, I can't I can't defend it, right? I cannot defend it with those guys. And Kayshawn Boutte, I'm watching LSU, and you can give me all the Jaden Daniels isn't a, a top-tier quarterback all you want. Malik Neighbors looks better than Kayshawn Boutte, and it's – it's hard for me to defend those guys. Yeah. Have 100% for me let me down because I had Boutte as one, Johnston as a top three guy potentially, and Jermaine Burton, we talked about him as a first, just completely let me down this season so far. Tight end Eric Gilbert with the Georgia Bulldogs is another one too who there was a lot of excitement for coming into the season and circumstances on and off the field there seem to be contributing factors and, and he just kind of hasn't gained any traction. Joe, any names? The receivers are are the big ones uh, for me. Um, you know, I know Jackson Smith and Jigba's got an injury that's that's slowing him down. But it's just like finally we find ourselves going back to this over and over again. It's like Jordan Addison's producing, Marvin Mims, Josh Downs, but like for the most part, these guys are. Tyler Harrell has has even played yet this year. It's tough, man. It's tough. They're letting us down. We hope to not let you down. Ray, we uh, we appreciate your time <laughs> hopping on with us. We hope this Thank conversation you. didn't let anybody down. Uh, but that's actually going to do it for us today on the show. Thanks to our friends over at Bet Online for their continued support of the, of the podcast. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Ray Garvin, Chris Schubert signing off here on Draft Dudes. Make it a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you all again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. 
while you are at it. Help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.